Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 12th of July, 2022. Happy Tuesday to you. I'm Derek Hunter. This is the Derek Hunter Podcast, and we've got a lot of things to talk about. Just remind you about uh, the contest, Mark Levin versus Mike Huckabee at uh, patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or locals at uh, DerekHunter.locals.com. Autographed books by Mark Levin and Mike Huckabee, one of which is up. Well, they're up, both up for grabs. You just comment with which uh, one you want to win, and you shall uh, have it if your name is drawn on Sunday. Every week we're giving away stuff, famous people's autographs. So check it out and uh, support the show. Appreciate it, because you get the bonus Week in F and Review and other things. It's a good, good time. All right, let's just get started, shall we? We've got a lot to get to. Lots of stuff going on. There is uh, a whole bunch of things that uh, I will be uh, opining on, but I will be smiling internally about. And one of them, perhaps the most prevalent, (laughs) is this story from the New York Times. Oh, by the way, I went and saw the uh, Thor movie over the weekend. I don't know. I I love Marvel movies. There's two types of people in the world. Well, there's three people who have no joy in their life. And then the people who uh, <laughs> catch hell for that, and people who have the um, what do you call them? The, uh, the you like DC or you like Marvel? There's there's no comparison. DC is just bad. I've had this discussion before, just really briefly. DC comics are bad. Marvel comics are good. Now they're both woke now, and they're all garbage currently. But back in the day when they were more interested in you know entertaining an audience by attracting an audience and keeping them and maintaining that audience. They were, Marvel was way better. The characters are way better. And it, it comes down to one simple fact, one simple truth. DCs aren't based in, in the real world. Now, before you, you know, vomit uncontrollably and go, what in the hell are you talking about, Derek? I'm not talking about the concept of superheroes. I'm talking about Metropolis. Gotham, center, uh, capital city, or whatever, everything that they have is, it's not only not a real place, New York. Most of the superheroes in the Marvel Universe take place in New York. So it's recognizable. They also have real-life problems. In DC, they are just the dumbest named, I can't get over the names of Metropolis, Gotham, Smallville, like, oh my God, I, I I feel insulted by them. Not personally, but I just think they're so damn stupid and so unoriginal. It's like uh, up in Pennsylvania, what is it, College College Park, the college, whatever, where Penn State is. And you sit there and you go, what the hell is the city? They just na- gave up on... Uh, on the name of cities, they just gave up. It's State College. They, I had to look it up. That's why I was State College. I'm like, really? That's the name of a city? State College? Were you out of names? Was anybody with any creativity off that day? Okay, fine. State College. 
maybe you start off at state college. Cities change their names to names that don't suck. I'm sure somewhere there was a Hitlerberg that in the 40s decided, you know what, let's go with something new. Not that state college is akin to Hitlerberg. It's actually less creative. <laughs> it's just like, hey, you're a tall guy. You're uh, you're a short guy. You're a woman. You are dog. Like, oh, okay, great. Super, and you're state college. Why? Because there's a state college there. Oh, okay, well, that makes perfect sense, white guy. <laughs> just... But the same, Metropolis. What are we going to name this big city? We'll name it Metropolis. But what if we have another big city? Well, we'll call that one Gotham. But it'll come from a really small town. What do we call that? Smallville. Hey, all right. What do we call the capital city? Uh, We call it Capital City, of course. What about On the Noseberg? Where is On the Noseberg? So, uh, yeah, that's part of the reason. Plus, the superheroes are much better. They're, they're normal. They're, they have real life. Peter Parker has issues and responsibilities. Batman's a billionaire. He doesn't give a damn. Superman could handle all of it if he really wanted to. He could go to Batman, dude, I got this. All right, I'm faster than a speeding bullet. All right, I'm going to go kick the crap out of this guy. I'm going to go kick the crap out of that guy. And that's all by the time you, uh, you hit the ignition switch on the Batmobile, dude. I will have been there and been gone, right? You can come back and do the paperwork. You can follow my trail and do the paperwork, but I got this thing. You could, but instead they got things like Aquaman, which I'll never understand. Aquaman. I get it that Marvel has a Submariner. and They both have fish dudes. All right, great. Submariner they haven't even bothered to do anything with. Because I think they recognize like they had to have a fish dude. But it's stupid. Because why? Well, you got Aquaman right there. All right. Say you're the arch criminal in Aquaman's city or whatever. And you go, well, how are we going to get away? Fire anybody who says by boat. And you're probably going to be all right. Rob the bank and uh, stay on land. Or, if need be, drive. And if it's an island... Then uh, helicopter or airplane. Get it, don't make it a seaplane. I can't stress that enough. But I think you can get away from Aquaman pretty pretty successfully. I think I could be a very successful criminal in a world where Aquaman is the last line of defense for a city. Just saying. Whereas Marvel has real-life people. That being said... My review of Thor is two and a half stars out of five or four. I guess four. It was good. I liked it. I like Marvel. I like the humor that's in there. There was some humor in there. It was, as Natalie Portman put it, the gayest superhero movie ever. Seems like every other character was somehow gay, but it was just seemingly shoehorned in there briefly it wasn't throughout the whole thing it was just like hey you're you're gay all right yeah okay moving on and like why i don't know why but it's probably it's a condition of natalie portman's participation in it uh but it was fine it was a good movie it was a i went at uh almost an 11 o'clock showing on saturday night because i saw that there was next to nobody going so i went and didn't quite have the theater myself by the time i was done there's probably about 30 people in there but in general I mean, it was an IMAX theater, so it was pretty empty. I enjoyed it. Worth checking. If you're like the uh, 
the Marvel world. It's worth checking out. All right, enough about comic books. Let's talk about our comic book of a president. My God. Hey, <laughs> you gotta love it. He took the uh, toe clips off of his bike. He got, I didn't say he got interviewed. He rode his bike yesterday. He's back at the beach. Of course he is, because he always is. Why wouldn't anybody, uh, why would anybody not go to the beach if you, you stole all that money and it's near the end of your life? You better enjoy what you stole all that money for, right? But he took the toe clips off of his bike. He said that his foot got stuck in them when he fell last time, a couple weeks ago. That's just not true. It's just not. If you watch the video of it, he comes up to the reporters. He stops. He's got that same dumb, vacant look on his face that he always has. And he, uh, he puts his left foot down. At which point he's fine. A tripod, two wheels, and a foot. Pretty stable. Not going anywhere. But for reasons known only to somebody who probably has no real memory of the event, he leans to the right where there is no balance. At which point, when leaning to the right... Something in his brain, the equilibrium goes, oh, crap, I got to put a leg down here because I'm going the other way. And then his foot kind of gets stuck because he doesn't realize or remember that you pull the uh, foot out and then put it to the side. You pull it backwards and then out. A simple thing. My children know how to do this, but the president of the United States doesn't. Of course, my children would have known that when you've got a leg down, that's the way you lean. But now he's making jokes. Oh, no, I took it off because they, uh, they caught my foot in there. No, they didn't catch your foot in there. Your brain doesn't work. And that's Joe Biden's biggest problem. And now even the left is starting to notice it. New York Times to- today. Front page story. This is starting to be a problem. Somebody's going to have to address He's going to have to do a serious sit-down interview with... A non-total sycophant. They're never going to do like a, a Brett Bear. But a non-total sycophant reporter on this subject, in addition to other things, to show command of the issues, but he's going to have to talk about this. He's going to have to address it in a way that isn't just, eh, why, why do people think I'm, I'm senile? I know my son's a crack addict. Would a senile person remember that? Headline, New York Times, most Democrats don't want Biden in 2024. New poll show subheadline with the country gripped by a pervasive sense of pessimism. The president is hemorrhaging support. This isn't some right wing website. This is the New York Times. This is the front page of the New York Times. This one's going to leave a mark. President Biden is facing an alarming level of doubt from inside his own party, with 64% of Democrats saying they would prefer a new standard bearer in the 2024 presidential campaign, according to a New York Times-Siena College poll, as voters nationwide have soured on his leadership, giving him a meager, get this, 33% job approval rating. 33%. 
I didn't think it could go any lower. I thought that 36% was an outlier. I figured right around eh, 38 to 40% was as low as you could go, but this is outside the margin of error for that. This is a new all-time low. I guess they were right when they told us that the Biden administration was historic. Widespread concerns, the story continues, about the economy and inflation have helped turn the nation mo- the na- national mood decidedly dark, both on Mr. Biden and the trajectory of the nation. <laughs> it's not concern. Right? There are con- you're concerned about it, but it's the reality of the of the the economy and inflation. It's not, oh, I'm concerned about those things. No, I'm being smacked upside the head about that. You're a little bit beyond concerned when you're being smacked upside the head with something. Uh, More than three quarters of registered voters see the United States moving in the wrong direction. A pervasive sense of pessimism that spans every corner of the country, every age range and racial group, cities, suburbs and rural areas, as well as both political parties. You could not have caused more rot on a person than Joe Biden has, well, Joe Biden's handlers have caused on him. You got to remember how this started. This started with a year long campaign by these very same people reporting this that Joe Biden is just an affable dingus. Oh, man. He's just, it's just Joe being Joe. It's just Joe being, he's just one of the nicest guys you could ever meet. And then you keep seeing footage and footage and footage of Joe being a complete and total jerk to anybody. Whenever he's challenged, he snaps at people. And you go, well, that's not the, really the, the way nice guys I've ever known would react. But okay, maybe I'm missing something. And then you say, but he's wildly competent. He's got all this experience. He's got all the, You can go through, you can be a United States senator and a vice president for going on 50 years and have learned nothing. You do that by not ever actually believing in anything, by not having any core principles. Joe Biden has never had any core principles. He's been on every side of every issue. It's whatever's politically convenient at the moment. So you sit there and something, a crisis happens, a situation occurs where you have to actually believe it. You have to fight for something. You have to uh, implement something that you know to be true that might not be popular. It might not even be popular amongst your own supporters, but that's what leadership is. And you have to be able to and be willing to make a case and lead, actually lead. But Joe Biden doesn't believe in anything. His only legislative accomplishment really was the the crime bill, and he had to denounce that. He did 30-plus years in the United States Senate, and his biggest legislative accomplishment, he had to go, yeah, sorry about that. I put a whole lot of black people in prison. Sorry about that. And so now he's overcompensating, and the party's overcompensating by what? By putting no one in prison. And how's that working out? Record crime across the country. Not super great, put it mildly because they don't necessarily believe in anything other than their own power and their ultimate overall agenda to make government as big as possible, which means eating into your personal liberty as far as they possibly can till ultimately they gobble the whole thing up. Whatever they have to do to get to that point doesn't matter. I'm not saying Joe's in on Joe is just one of those people who's an opportunist, the people around him. 
the Bernie Sanders acolytes around him in order to placate Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and get all those other people to drop out and, you know, sort of circle around Joe and go, he's our guy, we're going to all prop him up. He had to be willing to take in their people and take in their ideas. Okay, fine. Uh, Abortion up to the moment of birth, maybe a little bit after. That's fine with me. It's the most important. As a devout Catholic, there's nothing more important to me than the right of a woman to terminate a pregnancy. It's not something he said directly, but he might as well have said it because he's walked right up to it and said that sentiment in so many words. Spend your way out of inflation. Print money your way out of inflation. None of it makes any sense. But you can see Bernie Sanders' fingerprints all over it. Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, the AOCs of the world, the radical left who recognize that the American public will never willingly embrace what they are selling. The only way to do it is to destroy what exists. Destroy what exists. If you can collapse it without catching the blame, you got to collapse it without getting your fingers too dirty. Then you come in and say, well, we can now implement something. We're going to have to replace it. The old system failed. Realistically, it's big government failed. We need bigger government, but they need to do it in a way that it's not blamed on them. Same with Obamacare. It was designed to ultimately destroy the health care system, just not damage it as quickly as it did. Now Democrats are a little bit worried that when it does collapse, because it ultimately will, because government involvement ruins everything, they will somehow get the blame. And there's a possibility that Republicans will institute free market solutions in the area of health care. Nothing scares them more than the concept of freedom for individuals to make choices on anything but abortion. That's it. That's the only place Democrats want you to have a choice. Or they don't really want you to have a choice. They want to pressure you into making a decision, a particular decision that funds their funders. It's weird how that works out, isn't it? According to the New York Times, only 13%, this is a New York Times poll, not a poll that uh, somebody else conducted that the New York Times is reporting on. Only 13% of American voters said the nation was on the right track. The lowest point in times polling since the depths of the financial crisis more than a decade ago. 13% right track. How many lobbyists, I guess 13% lobbyists. For Mr. Biden, that bleak national outlook has pushed his job approval rating to a perilously low point. Republican opposition is predictably overwhelming, but more than two-thirds of independents also now disapprove of the president's performance. And uh, nearly half disapprove strongly. Among fellow Democrats, his approval stands at 70%, a relatively low figure for a president, especially heading into the 2022 midterms when Mr. Biden needs to rally Democrats to the polls to maintain control of Congress. Now, here's what Republicans have to do with this information, because this information is um, it's it's stunning how far Joe Biden has fallen, because the people who propped him up to where he was when he was on the plus side are still propping him up today. It's not like he lost very many people, if any, in the media. They're still there going, rah, rah, Joe, Joe, let's go. But uh, what Republicans have to do is they've, they've tainted Joe Biden. They have tainted Joe Biden with the truth. 
with just actually you just step back and you let Joe Biden taint himself. You go, my God, this is here's your policies. Here's what they're doing. Here's what he's saying. Here's how he's acting. Here's him falling off a bike. Those sorts. Here's him tripping up the stairs three times and one trip up the stairs. Bad enough. Now you've got to take Joe Biden and make Joe Biden not only the face of the Democratic Party, which he already is, but the the face of the Democratic policies. You don't want there to be a, we don't like Joe Biden, we think he's incompetent, but Democrats are okay. My congressional Democrat is okay. My Democratic senator is okay. You've got to use the stench of Joe to smear it all over every Democrat, everybody with a D after their name. It's not going to be easy to do. Republicans will need message discipline, which they are not known for. It's not their strong suit. Communication is not, I mean, Joe Biden is bad at communication, so they got that going for him. But Republicans in general are not known for being able to communicate intricacies of policy very well, very accurately. But in this case, they mostly just need to, we don't have to get into the details. I just need to say Joe Biden's policies, Joe Biden's policies. These Democrats are pushing Joe Biden's policies, whatever it is. Equate Joe. Remember the 1988 election? I remember it as a kid watching it. And what do you got? You got uh, Michael Dukakis and liberal. That was, they were interchangeable. Republicans need to do that with Joe Biden and progressive or whatever. It's not, yeah, people don't like Joe Biden and they don't like what Joe Biden is doing, but what Joe Biden is doing is what everybody with a D after their name in Congress wants to do. It's what everybody with a D after their name in Congress voted for, those sorts of things. So they don't just let uh, the party off the hook because they think, well, Joe is bad. You've got to taint the whole thing. It's not going to be easy because a lot of people don't like Republicans, too. You've got to be not just not them. You have to be an alternative to them and be unambiguous that you're an alternative to them. Uh, For Mr. Biden, that bleak national outlook, the Times continues, has pushed his job approval rating perilously low, blah, blah, blah. Sign of uh, deep vulnerability. In a sign of deep vulnerability and of unease among what is supposed to be his political base, only 26% of Democrats said the party should renominate him in 2024. 26% of Democrats. Now, who is the alternative? This is what's kind of... Now, granted, 2024 is a ways away. There's going to be a lot of time for the Democrats to figure it out, and they will be able to elevate, should, well, they should be able to elevate somebody. Their biggest problem is that no matter who they elevate, they're going to still embrace these left-wing policies that the American people will reject, especially if Republicans manage to shift the dislike, distrust, and incompetence of Joe Biden to the entire Democratic Party. Yeah, Joe Biden is senile. Yeah, Joe Biden is incompetent. But the things he's doing, the people behind the scenes are implementing, are the left-wing agenda, the the Democratic Party. 
That's what's failing. That's what's causing inflation. That's what's causing high gas prices. That's what's causing your inability to buy food or afford food. You can't have a steak or whatever. All of that is got to be tied in. They've got to tie it in. It can't just be Joe Biden is an idiot, therefore don't vote for Democrats. That's not going to be enough of a reason for a lot of people. Got to be, this is, Joe Biden is just the latest symptom of what Democrats do. And what Democrats do is bad for the country. Bad for the country. If you've only got 26% of Democrats, though, who want Joe Biden to run for re-election, this will work to the advantage of Republicans. Because right now, Democrats are trying to position themselves to be the alternative to Joe Biden. Democrats, politics is about the future. That's why I say you should never run on what you've done. You always have to run on what you're going to do. Nobody's going to reward you with, look, I've done this. Look, I've done that. So you owe me. Vote for me. The, The shining example of this is Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill led the UK through World War II. A lot of other leaders would have cut a deal with Germany to stop the hemorrhaging, to stop the pain or whatever, or given up, not had the stomach for the fight. But Winston Churchill said, no, we're putting our heads down, we're plowing forward. And then even before the war in the Pacific was over, there was an election where they threw him out and said, all right, we're going to go with the socialists now. And you sit there and you go, why the hell would you throw out Winston Churchill? Because they weren't voting to thank Winston Churchill for leading them through World War II. They were voting to about what comes next. What comes next? And the left over there, Labor Party, was promising the sun, the moon, and the stars. Oh, we'll give you socialized medicine. We'll give you free health care. We'll give you all the... We'll give you uh, welfare. We'll give you everything. Winston Churchill didn't take that very seriously. He thought, after what he'd just led the country through, they're not going to stab him in the back. But they didn't stab him in the back. They stabbed him in the front and side and the back, too. They said, no, it's not about a reward. It's about what comes next. Politicians aren't our friends. It doesn't matter how great they are. So what do Democrats offer to do that Joe Biden isn't doing? I don't know. Joe Biden is trying to or implementing... Pretty much everything Democrats want, be it through the regulatory state or through legislation, executive orders, what have you. He's giving them what they want, and it is failing miserably. There's not much different than a Gavin Newsom, who's probably the most uh, obvious Democrat out there considering running for president in 2024, probably going to be the first one to step up. First, You never want to be first in politics, but he'll probably be the first one to step out there. Because Gavin Newsom has to worry about stepping out there in front of... If if Joe doesn't run, he's got to be far enough ahead and far enough down the road so as to discourage as best he can Kamala from running because they're both from the same state. Their political consultants have a massive overlap. They are operating off of the same base and the same fundraisers and things like that. So it's uh, you got to be first in that sense. Because if you're last, if you're second to Kamala, if you've already got people supporting you, if you've already got people on the payroll, they can't go to Kamala. You can't get them if they're 
there is a choice between the white dude and the black woman. In the Democratic primary, you're going to lose that fight for consultants. You're going to lose that fight in donations. But if you've already got it, if you're already in the lead, then you can maintain that lead. Plus, Kamala is just wildly, wildly unpopular anywhere outside of California. She's not even all that popular inside California. But it is a problem for Democrats. Republicans have to make sure that it's not just Joe Biden is senile. It's that Democrat policies are bad. you got to instill that in the voters. Mr. Biden has said repeatedly that he intends to run for re-election in 2024. At 79, he's already the oldest president in American history, and concerns about his age ranked at the top of the list for Democratic voters who want the party to find an alternative. The backlash against Mr. Biden and desire to move to an, in a new direction were particularly acute among younger voters. In the survey, 94% of Democrats under the age of 30 said they would prefer a different presidential nominee. There's no excitement. There might be loyalty, but there's no excitement for Joe Biden at all. Quote, I'm not just going to come out and say it, or I'm just going to come out and say it. I want younger blood, said Nicole Ferrier, a 38-year-old preschool teacher in East Tawas, a small town in northern Michigan. I am so tired of all the old people running our country. I don't want someone knocking on death's door. She's 38 years old. She's not exactly a spring chicken. She doesn't have a foot in a grave yet, but she's got at least three toes. It's kind of funny. Ms. Faria, a Democrat who voted for Biden in 2020, said she had hoped he might have been able to do more to heal the nation's divisions. But now, as a single mother, she is preoccupied with what she describes as crippling increases in her cost of living. Quote, I went from living a comfortable lifestyle to I can't afford anything anymore, she said. This is who the Republicans have to try not to reach out to. Maybe not her in particular, but people like her. She seems like a committed Democrat. She wants another Democrat. She just wants a younger Democrat. You have to convince people who want somebody else, don't necessarily like Republicans. You got to point out it's Joe Biden, yes. But the policies he's implementing are that of Bernie Sanders, not exactly a spring chicken again, and of AOC, you know, the young wing of the Democrat Party. That's what he's been implementing. This is the natural result of radical progressive politics. This is what happens. So it doesn't matter that you got an almost 80-year-old dude captaining the ship. You could put... A 25-year-old on the helm of the Titanic, you're still going to hit that iceberg because it's the Titanic. It's the way that the captains are captaining the ship. It has nothing to do with the physical person. This is the same thing I've said about Baltimore when, God, I don't know, it's been four years, five years ago now. When the mayor announced she wasn't going to run for re-election and then half the city council said, well, I will, I'm going to run for re-election. And you thought, oh, great. I remember thinking this. This is great. This is an opportunity for Baltimore to make serious changes. Baltimore had been a mess. It had been going in the wrong direction for generations. 
generations. And I said, well, now have, because politicians, incumbents usually just get reelected. It's pretty easy, pretty easy to do. You're, you're a recognizable name and people will just go, all right. It's easy to raise money, all of that stuff. So when half the city council goes, we're out of here, I'm running for, for mayor, one of them stood a chance, or well, only one of them could possibly win, even though they're outsiders and what have you, not relitigate that, it's irrelevant. But if you're getting rid of half the city council, that means new blood. That means a chance to go, all right, well, these people have been leading us in a horrible direction. Let's go in a new direction. But no, what happened? The people elected to replace those on the city council who'd left were different people advocating for the same policies. Different people advocating for the same policies will get you the same result. It's not about the person advocating for the policies. It's about the policies. You've got to convince people of that. You got to, Well, you don't have to convince them. You have to make people aware of it. It's a huge, huge problem. It's a huge, huge issue. My God, I, I looked this up over the the weekend. I just had to look it up again just to... <sighs> Detroit, Detroit, where I grew up. Because the city of Baltimore, since like 1973 or something like that, has lost a third of its population. And you're sitting there going, how the hell did that happen? How did that happen? Well... It just happens. The population of Detroit, however, is only 670,000, apparently, six, just over 600,000. It's huge. Huge, because there were millions of people who lived in Detroit. The Detroit metro area is still huge. But the population of the city itself is, was, I remember when it went, dipped below a million. It was a big deal because if you're under a million, it means you get less federal money. And I thought, wow, that's that's pretty big. That's pretty big. But being under a million, almost, I mean, you're approaching half a million. Something's got to give. My God. All right, so I just looked it up just to clarify. I was, I was uh, the, the height of population for the city of Detroit was just shy of 2 million. 1.85 million in 1950. Probably actually went up and probably made it to about 2 million. But uh, it started to decline after that, particularly in the 60s after the riots. People said, to hell with this. and not going to live in a city that burns itself down. Can't blame anybody for that. But right now, it stands at about a third of its height. A third. Lost two-thirds of its population because of democratic policies, because of democratic politics. Over the time period from its height and to now, Democrats have had exclusive domain over the power structure of the city of Detroit. And you can sit there and say, well, something's got to turn around the, the fate of Detroit. You can't. I'm not saying that Detroit's going to elect a Republican. The current mayor of Detroit is not a radical leftist, at least that, that I've seen, not a radical leftist. It's a white guy. They elected a white guy. And he's done a fairly decent job. That's what other cities have to do. That's what other politicians have to do. Like, look, you're not going to be elected mayor of Baltimore as a Republican. Sorry, but it's just not going to happen. But a conservative, maybe back a conservative Democrat is not going to be somebody you're going to agree with on everything. But for God's sakes, 
unless you start turning that rudder away from that iceberg, you're going to hit that iceberg no matter what. So that's one way to do it, and that's what Republicans need to recognize. Slow over time. There's still a lot more to the, in this uh, New York Times poll that is um, damage. It's it's amazing. I'm not sure you could be as as unpopular as Joe Biden is if you tried, to be honest with you. The group, like, you're dealing with ethnicity, just on ethnicity. Democrats, my God, they love ethnicity. The question of, do you approve or disapprove of the way Joe Biden is handling his job as president? Strongly approve. Whites, 10%. Somewhat approve, 20%. Somewhat disapprove, 15%. Strongly disapprove, 50%. Don't know, out to lunch, taking a nap, 4%. Now, amongst black voters, Joe Biden is doing the best still, but it is a collapse. Only 62% of black voters have a positive view of Joe Biden's presidency, the way he's handling it. 62%. You got like 90, like 85% of the black vote. It's a huge, huge collapse. But amongst Hispanics, they're right up there with, uh, with white people. Strongly approve only 12%, only two percentage points more than white people. Somewhat somewhat approve 20%, same as white people. That's 32% of Hispanics say they somewhat approve or approve of Joe Biden, whereas 30% of whites do. 22% of Hispanics somewhat disapprove of Joe Biden, and 41% of Hispanics strongly disapprove disapprove of Joe Biden. It is a big deal if Republicans Republicans need to manage to not screw this up. What's funny is Democrats always hang their hat on all oh, the future. They, uh, they, they hang their hat on ethnicity and age. Ethnicity and age. That's where they, they go. Well, the younger people are with us and the non-white people are with us not actually the suburban white woman is the one of the uh are the people who really save the democratic party's bacon it's not just a percentage wise it's about raw numbers there are a whole lot of suburban white women that just are just lots of you ladies lots and lots and lots of you so if you get 51 percent of that that is more than that's more votes than getting 60 percent of the hispanic women vote for example it's more votes just from raw numbers percentage wise you know you go wow they're the really one percentage of the hispanic women whatever but it doesn't really matter if it doesn't translate into raw vote totals in various states they are losing some support democrats are with women and they're not broken down by the race. Women are always very strong. Now, this poll was conducted, by the way, after the Roe v. Wade decision. So you would think that if there was going to be this huge rush of women going, I'm with Joe Biden, Democrats uber allis, give me abortion or give me death, it would be reflected in this poll. But the gap between men and women in the approval of Joe Biden ain't that big and it ain't good for democrats uh strongly approve 
Men, 14%. Women, 12%. Actually, two percentage points more. Men strongly approve. Somewhat approve. This is where a little bit of a gap happens. 17% of men, 23% of women. Six percentage points. So you take the two, six, it's plus four for women who approve one way or another of the Biden administration. That's still well below 50%. Hell, it's well below 40%. You add those two up and you get to 35%. That's amongst women. Somewhat disapprove, 16 for men, 15 for women. And strongly disapprove, 47% of men strongly disapprove, 43% of women strongly disapprove. So you go, well, what about the kids? Kids these days. Ah, those crazy kids. 18 to 29-year-olds. These are the people that Joe Biden panders to and is pandering to. These are the people. This is why I think that he's got to do it sooner rather than later, just because the, the closer to the election, the more obvious it is, is pandering in an attempt to buy votes. But the student loan forgiveness stuff, if Joe Biden's going to do it, I think he's got to do it by end of August at the latest. Because you get you get past August and then it becomes so cynical that the plus you got to give people who are going to be pissed off because they paid off their student loans. You got to give them enough time to uh, to get over it, right? Gotta, all right, well let's just forget it. Let's move on. Let's move. That's the thing about Roe v. Roe v. Wade is something that the people who really care about it will really care about it forever. They always cared about it before. It didn't matter. The people who went to the streets who don't really normally go to the streets, they're they're out of the streets already. They're back home. They're going on with their lives. They're not actively having an abortion. Their friends aren't actively having an abortion. They probably have moved on. And they can't afford to drive the car to their, their you know designated riot place because of gas prices. So it's moved on. The young people want to be for quote-unquote forgiven of their student loans. And everybody else is going, this is the dumbest thing ever. This is a ripoff. It's a loan. You knew that going. So if Joe Biden is going to do this and he's going to try and split it and go like, well, we'll get rid of $10,000 or whatever. We'll get rid of $10,000 of student loan. And these are people going, but I got $200,000 in student loans. And you, you should look at them and go... Why the hell did you pay that much for a, a bachelor's degree? What's wrong with you? But uh, <laughs> just so stupid. But you sit there and you say, this is wrong. This is, this is wrong. People will forget about it. People will be reminded of it. But the anger, the acid reflux of the immediacy of it for the people will fade away. Plus the, the euphoria of the people who get forgiven will, will fade away over time. You got to time it perfectly. But there are more people who would be totally pissed off about it than will be exuberant about it. So if they don't do it by the end of August, there's a possibility he's not going to do it. Plus, I think that's when the student loan repayments start up again, allegedly. But at this point, they've delayed it so long you almost have to cancel some of it. You can't. How do you say, well, for the last three years you haven't had to make a payment, now you've got to? People, the problem for Democrats problem for anybody in that position is people get used to spending money. If you're just getting by and somebody says, all right, here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to give you an extra $1,000 a month. You're, you're living paycheck to pay. I'm going to give you $1,000 a month. 
And you go, oh, that's great because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting by with what I'm making now, but another thousand will be a difference maker. Inside of three or four months, you'll be that that thousand dollars won't mean anything. You'll still you'll be back to living relatively paycheck to paycheck. You're either a saver or you're not a saver. And I think most people who live paycheck to paycheck go, well, I don't care what size the paycheck is. I'm going to start, I'm going to keep spending money. I'm going to go hog wild in it. So if you forgive student loans, people will be mad. People will be excited. People will move on. The reason Joe Biden has to almost do it is because the New York Times poll found that he only gets 1% of the 18 to 29 pop, 1%. That's like two, that's a rounding error of 18 to 29 year olds strongly approving of what he's doing. One person, it's almost impossible to get 1%. They's got 1%. The somewhat approve is only 18%. So less than 20% of the people who Democrats consider to be their base, their future, have a positive opinion of this administration. That's mass, that's that's devastating for Democrats. And 30 to 44-year-olds, he's got uh, 40% approval. That's the uh, 40, and then the 65 plus, he's got 42% approval. That's his number one demographic, is uh, his peers for Joe Biden. The young people aren't interested. Now, you can argue that young people are not interested because he's not socialist enough, he's not radical enough. You can make that case, and for a certain percentage of the population, you're right. For a certain percentage, you go to college campuses and the activist class, which is a minority on campus, even though it seems like a majority and they control it, but never underestimate the ability of a committed minority to really, really screw over everybody. You know, the the Nazis were a very small percentage of the German people. Look what they did. The communists and the revolution in Russia and China and and Cuba and everywhere were communists. It's a very small percentage of the population. But it's, you know, if you're willing to kill people, not a whole lot of people are willing to stand up to you. They don't want to be killed. You have a crowd of 10,000 people and it's a concept of a prison, Right. Prison, there are far more prisoners than there are prison guards. If they were on an island somewhere, not inside a country where there'd be all sorts of problems if they did this, but in a vacuum, if they could just go, you know what? Like, we outnumber the guards 10 to 1. We could easily go and and overpower them, take their guns. I'm like, well, we have, we have, uh, we'll get somebody who gets shot, somebody get killed. It's the high noon theory or whatever. It's uh, there's some Western. I can't remember what it was where the guy's like, I, I got six shots here. And there's a whole mob of you wanting to come in here and hang this murderer, alleged murderer, whatever. Like, I won't be able to stop all of you, but I'll take some of you with me. Well, the people in the back are probably going, well, dude, go for it. Let's go. Let's charge. But the people up front are going, wait a second. He's right. I'm probably one of the ones who's going to get shot. So they don't. They don't charge. It's, uh, it's one of those weird things about sociology, psychology. You're like, okay, well, the odds are very slim, and you, you'd easily overpower them. Can't. 
Anyway, that's beside the point. I'm straying. Democrats are, well, the Biden administration is not in good shape. Republicans' challenge is to take that lack of popularity of Joe Biden, that disapproval of Joe Biden, which is overwhelming amongst everybody, everybody, and make it about Democrats, not just about Joe. You make it about Democrats and not just about Joe, and you're looking at a really good November. You got to make the argument without being boring. You got to find a way to do it in 25 seconds or less to make the point that Joe Biden's policies are the Democratic Party's policies, and the Democratic Party's policies are what are causing inflation. Democratic Party's policies are what are causing crime to spike, big spikes in crime. Those are Democratic Party policies, not just Joe Biden. It's every month. It's AOC. It's it's whoever your senator is. It's Chris Van Hollen. It's Debbie Stabenow. It is uh, Diane Feinstein. It's every single Democrat. You got to hit them with that over and over and over again, and then then they'll be in trouble. You can do that if you remember again, hearkening back to 1988, the word liberal. The Republican Party had so effectively tainted the entire Democratic establishment with the word liberal. The American public despised liberal, liberals, liberal policies, liberal attitudes, whatever. They were the problem that Democrats actively ran away from it. They actively ran away from it. They should do the same thing again with progressive because this is the result of progressive policies. And quite frankly, progressive would be much easier to taint than the word liberal was. Progressives have a huge history of horrible, horrible racism, anti-Semitism, bigotry, anti-Americanism, elitism, all these horrible things that Democrats are. You'd think, like, why wouldn't you, why would you still embrace the name progressive? Why would you still use that word? They do it because they ran away from liberal and they needed something. But progressive is way worse, way worse. The Klan was progressive. Woodrow Wilson, a progressive president, wild racist, horrible person. Margaret Sanger, queen of the progressives. You name it, progressive, progressive, progressive. And Democrats have readapted. It's weird as, you know, Republicans hold a meeting in a country club in southern Virginia at one of the rooms is named after a former slave owner, and that's a story. But somehow a uh, an entire political party embracing a political philosophy and a label that gleefully embraced the idea that black and brown people and stupid white people should be eliminated from the gene pool. And that's cool. And you sit there and you go, well, that was a long time ago, Derek. Things have changed since then. I would ask how? How have things changed? Well, things have changed in one respect. They no longer openly say it. Well, they no longer openly say it very often. But they still say it. 
They still say, if you listen to what they say, if you actually listen to the words that they say, if you listen to what they advocate, that's what they're doing. That's what they're saying. That's what they're pushing. They don't come out and say it in the terms that are no longer socially acceptable. You can find progressive leaders from the turn of the last century saying horrible things that would get people, you know, destroyed today. And if you don't know who the progressive leaders are, you can look around college campuses. They're endowed chairs after these people. There are buildings named after these people. You can look up the progressive movement. Only now are they starting to remove Woodrow Wilson's name from a few things here and there because... You know, and it took long enough. They've been saying, you must, this person is horrible. Republicans are terrible, terrible, terrible. Like, well, this progressive is actually literally terrible, a total and complete racist. And it took them like 20 years of declaring everybody on the right to be racist for them to go, all right, well, Woodrow Wilson, really, he did resegregate the military and he did hate black people and uh, showed birth of a nation there. It was a member of had friends who are members of the Klan. I think he appointed a member of the Klan to the Supreme Court. All right, maybe we should take his name off that building. Maybe we should do that. Took him long enough. Eventually, when every other uh, option is uh, exercised, Democrats will do what they should have done from the beginning. But only then, only then. Shifting gears from Captain Senile and... Uh, the gang over there on the left, to the gang on the other side of the pond. This is um, not surprising. Not surprising. You see, it's happened here in the United States, but the Church of England is a little bit different. It's a, you know not a separation of church and state, per se. Read the history of it on your own. But the UK Daily Mail, you'd think a church would have this down. <sighs> UK Daily Mail, the Church of England has admitted... It does not have a definition of the word woman. What? Yeah, you heard it. A bishop said yesterday that the meaning of the word used to be, quote, self-evident. But he added that there's now, quote, complexities associated with gender identity, which a church uh, project about sexuality and relationships is exploring. Oh, it used to be pretty self-evident, but now there's, it's just so complex. Did, uh, did God make a phone call? No, no, this is, this is man. This is left-wing man. Uh, the admission in an official report prepared for the gathering of its governing body this weekend stirred criticism last night. It comes despite Anglican continue, Anglicanism continuing to oppose same-sex weddings and only recently allowing women to become bishops. Campaigner Maya Forrester, no, Forrest, Forrestator, said, quote, when the government redefined women through the Gender Recognition Act, the Church of England could have stuck with its long-established understanding, which makes sense whether your starting point is biology or the Bible. It's shocking that they so readily gave up the definition of man or woman for the state to amend as if this fundamental truth did not matter. Now, do you think you're sitting there and you're going, wait a second, what? Yeah, the government over in the UK is quote-unquote conservative. They have to remember that they're more like rhinos over there, the 
in the UK. It is not a series of serious conservatives as we understand them. On some things they are, on most things they are not. It's part of the reason why Boris Johnson became as unpopular as he did become. He ran as a more conservative person than he governed. Now he's ironically going, in his my last few months or weeks or whatever as prime minister, he's going to work really hard to implement the things that he campaigned on. Like now, oh, now, now I'll work real hard. Now I'll uh, suck up to you. <laughs> no, you do what you do. You want to know why Donald Trump has the loyalty he has and why everybody else has the skepticism that they have, every other Republican in the field. I don't know that it'll stay that way because I don't think Ron DeSantis has really shown that he's uh, the problem or, or, or a typical politician who won't do what they say. But the, the reason is Donald Trump's the first politician, the first president in my lifetime, probably anybody's lifetime, who said, I don't care. I promise to do this. Let's do this. I don't care. Let's do this thing. Push forward. The resistance in his own party, Republicans could have built the wall, but there are a lot of Republicans who don't want to build the wall. They don't want a secure border. Not a majority of Republicans, but enough. They don't come out and publicly say it. They go, all right, well, this is going to die over in the Senate so I can vote for it, but I don't really support this. Why? Because the Chamber of Compromise, the Chamber of Commerce goes, we need more workers. We want to keep wages artificially low. Get people in here. Come on, let's do this. They want the open borders. Plus, the Chamber of Commerce is uh, afflicted with exactly what I said about the Anglican Church, the uh, the church over there, the Church of England. The uh, If you're not expressly conservative, you will eventually be pushed to the left. The Chamber of Commerce is not above virtue signaling. They left-wing virtue signaling. That's what they live for. So you sit there and you watch all this stuff and you go, well, what are we going to do? How does, this, how does this play out ultimately? It depends. You've got to elect people who actually believe what they believe and believe what they say and will do what they say. It goes back to, if you remember, the day in early 2010 when the vote for Obamacare came up. Democrats got the votes. All sorts of deals were cut. They were promised every they were promised everything under the sun. Why did they have to be promised anything under the sun? Because they knew that a lot of Democrats were going to lose their seats. They were going to lose their jobs. And so jobs were promised. Look, I'll appoint you secretary ambassador to this or we'll get you a job here and get, we'll we'll take care of you. Just do it. And they, because nobody wants to go, I'm going to vote myself out of a job. Nobody wants to do that. Even if you believe in it, you go, well, you know, my constituents don't really want, I don't, I just don't want to lose everything. So they had to be bought off. And so you're sitting there and you're going, well, they threw themselves into their open political grave to pass Obamacare. They did. Republicans took 64 seats or whatever it was in the House of Representatives. 64 Democrats got chucked out for that vote. All 64 of them knew that was a probability. It's probably about another dozen or two who thought it was a possibility who just squeaked by. 
they were willing to do it. In a way, you have to admire that. They believed in this thing and said, you know what, to hell with it, I'm going. This is what I want. If it costs me my job, so be it. It'd be nice if Republicans had some people like that who said, you know what, I don't... I'd rather lose for who I am than win for who I'm not. And I think they'd be pleasantly surprised that there are more people out there who would reward that. Who would go, all right, now I can trust this person when they tell me the next thing they're going to do. That's what Donald Trump did. That's why the people who support Donald Trump will follow him anywhere. He actually did it. You could argue till the cows come home. Well, he did it, but he doesn't believe in this. Who cares? I don't care about the motivation of somebody who does something I like. I like I'm glad that they did what I did. Do you think that all those Democrats, a lot of those Democrats who voted for Obamacare were like probably indifferent? But they got bought off. Democrats, you think they say, well, uh, this person only did this because they wanted this high paying lobbying job. So that makes our victory cheap. Hell no, they don't give a damn. They got their victory. That's it. They got their victory. It's not bribery because these people set the rules, but it's pretty sad. Anyway, back to the uh, Church of England. Uh, Reverend Angela Berners-Wilson, who in 1994 became the first woman ordained as an Anglican priest, told the Telegraph, quote, I'm not totally happy with it. I mean, I do think certain things like men can't have babies, just to say the complete obvious thing. But I think we need to be very sensitive and maybe we need to examine our boundaries. <laughs> it comes months after uh, uh, it comes after months in which the definition of the word woman has gripped politics. Remember what I said earlier about a very small percentage of people being able to wreak unspeakable havoc on the general population because they're determined. The suicide bombers, I'll blow myself up, who's coming with me? No, 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 don't, don't, don't. And they get what they want that way. They do. Several Labour MPs refused to define it, while leaders Sir Keir, uh, leader Sir Keir Starmer said it was wrong to claim that only women could have a cervix. By con- it's so stupid. You think, well, British, they're so smart because of the way that they talk. They sound very, very intelligent when they speak. No, they're just as dumb as we are. By contrast, cabinet ministers have been very clear that biology defines women and that anyone born with uh, born male should not compete against women in sports. The church, was, that's the conservatives against the labor MP, the church was put on the spot in one of almost 200 questions submitted to its parliament, the General Synod in York this weekend. Adam Kendry, a lay member of the armed forces, asked simply, quote, what is the Church of England's definition of a woman? The Right Reverend Robert Innes, the Bishop of Eu- in Europe, replied, quote, there is no official definition which reflects the fact that until fairly recently definitions of this kind were thought to have been self-evident as reflected by the marriage liturgy. He added that the church, quote, has begun to explore the complexities associated with gender identity. 
Jane Orzane, who said the government's LGBTQ plus, uh, or sat on the government's LGBTQ plus advisory panel, said Mr. Kennedy's question was passive aggressive and designed to upset the LGBT plus community. Too bad. It's not the first time the church has come under fire for its stance on gender in 2019. Thousands of clergy objected to guidance for a new type of baptism service to allow transgender Christians to celebrate their new identities. Don't you love that? The Church of England. Oh, no, you were baptized as a dude, but now that you're a chick, you got to come back and have another baptism. Yeah, no, this is... It's unbelievable what these people are doing to our world, to our language, to our culture, and by our, I mean civilizations quite honestly you go to um, go to Africa go to any village in remote Africa and you will find none of this which also you won't find is uh, no peanut allergies if you notice that you got there was something was a special on 60 minutes I wrote about this in my book there was a special or not a special there was a segment in 60 minutes where um I think it's called plumpy nut something called plumpy nut it's packed full of nutrition or whatever for people who are starving or malnourished or whatever a little tube of plumpy nut which costs pennies to manufacture peanut based but chock full of all sorts of things was making a huge difference in the nutrition and of people in remote africa where famine was prevalent and where hunger was prevalent and uh, we're real hunger, not just like the left says food insecurity. Food insecurity in this country. Yeah, we're the fattest country in the world. Food insecurity. What are we, what are we afraid of? That we're not going to have enough Doritos? But uh, they, uh, they had this stuff, Plumpy Nut. And Anderson Cooper is sitting there in this remote African village watching these kids eat this stuff. And they're, you know, the before and after, like the kids are healthy. The kids have energy now. This is great. This Plumpy Nut stuff is is wonderful and anderson cooper asks the doctor who's like implementing this stuff who's giving it to these kids well what do you do about the kids with peanut allergies like the guy looked at him like there's no there's no peanut allergies over here there's no peanut allergies over here not saying that peanut allergies are fake in the united states or in western countries where we um don't really have problems it's part of the problem we're manufacturing is a mental belief of peanut allergies i know people who if they are exposed to peanuts will go into toxic shock or anaphylactic shock eventually they have to give they carry around an EpiPen in case they're exposed like they won't go near a a five guys loves the burgers you got to go in and order it for him or he walks in there like he's going to stay as far away from that bag of peanuts as humanly possible because he's got a peanut allergy but in countries where starvation is a real threat, not just food insecurity. Oh, where is where is my next double cheeseburger going to come from? But in countries where real there is no food allergies, there's no peanut allergies, there's nothing like, hey, that's food, let's eat it. And they always say that part of the reason we have peanut allergies, and don't send me the emails. I, I'm not going to read the studies. I'm not going to read the articles. I'm making a point. I'm illustrating a point. But they do say that, uh, and we made a point of doing this, that when your kid is very young, you got to get them 
get them to eat peanuts or peanut butter or something to try and stave off food allergies. I don't know how true that is. Because I don't think over in uh, Africa, in these remote villages, there's a lot of Jif or Skippy. I don't know what the reason for it is. I do believe that peanut allergies are real, like I said, but it has to be something that we've sort of created somehow. It just has to, because you go to the rest of the world where food is really in short supply, and there are not people going, I'm starving, can you spare us? Oh, no, that's, is that gluten-free? That's not gluten-free. I I can't have that. I can't, it just, it really messes me up. That's not the way the rest of the world works. That's not the way the real world works. So, yeah. Anyway, going off on a tangent there. But I think it's a relevant tangent. And you look over at the uh, the UK, where we don't have, where there are no problems or very few problems. We as human beings find new and creative ways to manufacture problems. I don't know why. It's not helpful. It's rather destructive. It's progressive. You really want to get down to it. There's, there's a push to make birth control over the counter. You think, well, what's the problem here? The Associated Press has the story. For the first time, a pharmaceutical company has asked for permission to sell birth control over the counter in the U.S. HRA Pharma's application on Monday sets up a high-stakes decision for health regulators amid legal and political battles over women's reproductive health. How? Why? It's proven safe. Hormone-based pills have long been the most common form of birth control in the U.S., used by millions of women since the 1960s. They've always required a prescription, generally so health professionals can screen for conditions that raise uh, risk of rare but dangerous blood clots. Well, it's kind of funny that the government would still be interested in blood clots considering what the quote-unquote vaccines have done, particularly to women, on the issue of blood clots. I saw a story over the weekend where they tried to blame an increase, massive increase in the blood clots in the UK on the drinking of tea. People are drinking too much tea, you see. That's what, no, it was so a thousand years or hundreds of years of, of Brits drinking tea. And just now, suddenly, young women are getting a lot of blood clots. That's a weird coinkening. The real reason is Democrats view this, the ability, it, they use this as a weapon. They think that women having to go to a doctor, they're making it an arduous process to get birth control. It, it helps them say, well, we need abortion for this. Women are oppressed. Women are oppressed. If you just walk in and buy like aspirin, women aren't so oppressed anymore. Republicans aren't anti-women and anti-contraception if this becomes over the, over the counter, doesn't it? Plus, they like the idea of it being subsidized by health insurance. But so many other things aren't subsidized by health insurance. Why should this be? Take a little responsibility and then pony up. If you have to pay 15 bucks a month instead of three for a copay maybe you'll take it a little more seriously and won't forget to take it just a thought anyway i want to oh you know what i've got this audio i want to play it goes back to what i was talking about at the beginning of the show but it's illustrative it's something that sort of i guess uh sort of reappeared throughout the entire program about democrats on popularity this case, it's the story is about Joe Biden, but it is somebody, a black woman in Cleveland, whose son was murdered a few years ago. Horrible story, but she, she's watching Democrat. The awakening, not awakening, awakening. 
could well be happening in this country as people look around and go, because look, it's one thing if things are as bad as they've always been or slightly worse than they've always been. There's been, like I talked about Detroit, the population of Baltimore, the population of Detroit, the population of all these major cities. It's been on the downward slope. It's always been bad. Crime has always been there. But now it's worse. Now it's worse. And you can, it's the frog in the pot of boiling water. It's, you know, you sit there, you know, I don't need to recount that. You guys know that. But it's, that's what it is. And now suddenly it's a shock. While things have been getting progressively worse, they're getting a lot worse, dramatically worse quickly and people are noticing now this could be the great awakening amongst the populations in these cities to go "Ah, it's worth it to try something else as donald trump famously said and scared the absolute hell out of democrats in 2016 at the detroit economic club vote for me what the hell have you got to lose what the hell have you got to lose people are maybe maybe it didn't have an impact in that election or a great impact in that election but going forward, as you're watching Democrats' policies make things dramatically worse pretty quickly, like a 35% bump up in the murder rate in a city like Portland in one year. 35%, that's huge. You look at that and you go, there's not a Republican in sight. There isn't a Republican in, in the state that we can blame this on. People are going, wait a second. Things have been bad for a while. But when it's just bad and it's not happening to you or it's not really impacting you, it's just bad, you go, well, it'd probably be worse under Republicans. Well, now it's worse, way worse, and it's still under Democrats. So maybe some people are going, you know what? I am, for the first time, going to check that R box when I go and vote this time. And that's what this woman, Yamichelle Cinder, is the the sort of pseudo-reporter you hear talking. You know it breaks her heart. And I guarantee you that... Off camera, Yamish twisted this woman's arm to go, you don't want to vote Republican, though. Don't vote Republican. Continue to maintain absolute 100% loyalty to the Democratic Party. Please, for the love of God. Please, please, please. But up until that moment, she filed a fairly uh, innocuous segment where a black woman in Cleveland said this. Three years ago, 24-year-old Raheem Ingram was shot to death here in Cleveland, Ohio. Some days it's hard. It can be real, real hard. His mother, Erica Ingram, is still reeling. He was nice. You know, everybody loved him. Now, his unsolved murder has sparked a surprising shift for this lifelong Democrat. For the first time, she'll probably vote Republican. She believes Democrats are not taking spikes in crime here and across the country seriously enough. They weak. They don't fight hard enough as to where the Republicans get up there and they pulling out all the stops. They pull out all the stops. They're weak. They're not put, no, it's not. Democrats don't care. There's a difference. There's a, I appreciate her sentiment, but Democrats don't give a damn. Democrats are the ones letting criminals out of prison. Democrats go, oh, you know what? It's better to have a million guilty people go free than one guilty person go to prison. Wait, what? Well, unless they worked in the Trump administration, and then you should throw away the key. If they were on the Capitol on January the 6th, you should probably summarily execute them. But otherwise, it's better that a million guilty people go free so that one guilty person doesn't go into prison. 
And yes, just for the record, in case you're listening, you're going, does he realize what he's saying? Yes, I do. It's a joke. That's the joke. That Back to that New York Times story, that mentality, this idea that Republicans are, do things different. No, this is what de- the political party in power is getting what they want. But there's this weird belief from the left about the right that it's almost comical. That New York Times story. Uh, Randon, Randon, R-A-N-D-A, or D-I-A-N, Randon Wright, a 41-year, he's a black man in Ocean Township, New Jersey. 41-year-old truck driver in Ocean Township, New Jersey is typical of these voters. He said he talks frequently with friends about Mr. Biden's shortcomings. Quote, he's just not aggressive enough at getting his agenda done. See, some people you're just not going to, if we just liberal harder, we just liberal harder. Democrats just Democrat more. It'll be better. Uh, Mr. Wright lamented. In contrast, he said, quote, Trump wasn't afraid to get his people in line. Now, where does this idea come from? It comes from the, the liberal media that says what? Donald Trump was an authoritarian, totalitarian. He was just this side of Hitler. He was forcing his will on everybody. He was ramming things. He didn't get the wall built. He couldn't get the wall built because Congress wouldn't move. His tax cuts were temporary because Congress wouldn't do what was necessary to make them permanent. There was a whole bunch of other things. Repeal and replace Obamacare. Didn't happen. Didn't happen because John McCain didn't get his people in line. There were a whole host of things that every Republican president, even when they had a Republican Congress wanted, But there's this idea, Republicans just ram through whatever they want. What is the last thing that Republicans rammed through? Where is it? I would love to see these things that Republicans are ramming through. Hell, I'd help build the ram. Let's ram it through. But they don't. They don't. Now, Donald Trump called for ending the filibuster. Why do you think Donald Trump called for ending the filibuster? Randon? Or Randane? Or whatever the hell it is? What do you think he wanted to get rid of the filibuster for? Because he was just bored and hated it. It's a complicated word. And when he does text-to-speech in his tweets, it always gets misspelled. So he wants to get rid of it so he doesn't have to deal with it. No, he wanted to get rid of the filibuster because the Democrats were blocking so much of his agenda. A lot of it. While ripping off probably two and a half years of his presidency through bogus scandals that they manufactured themselves. So this idea that, well, Republicans are tough, uh, they're willing to do things, and that's trying to justify what what Democrats want to do in changing the filibuster, that's not at all close to reality. That woman in Cleveland is more right. Republicans do care about the murder, the wholesale slaughter of people on cities across the country cities where and it's here's the thing democrats if republicans are horribly horribly racist why is it that only republicans care about the killing fields in majority black cities controlled by democrats shouldn't republicans if they were the horrible races that they are shut up about it we just go like (laughs) see the numbers out of chicago this week she's another whole bunch of people just shot another group of people killed but don't say that too loud we don't want to draw any attention to it they might stop it if they do no that's that's democrats that's democrats who don't say anything about it that's our killing that's our responsibility 
if we start talking about the wholesale murder of thousands of African Americans across the country in places we control, we might have to stop it. We might have to send somebody to prison. We might have to take some responsibility for these things. We might somebody might look into the uh, how it is that somebody who shot and killed a fifteen-year-old kid was not in prison when they'd been arrested like two weeks earlier on a gun charge. People, would, we don't want them to do that. So just shut up about it. It's the Republicans who are sitting there screaming, "Look at this stuff. This is unacceptable. This is horrible." So. Yeah, it's uh, it's a different world. And it's kind of funny watching and looking at how the left views us on the right, that somehow we've managed to ram things. Right now, you know, it's the government, the military is training people on prone. I don't even know if they're getting much time to actually train in combat. They're getting more time and training people how to recognize various people's pronouns whatever they happen to be if they make them up and you're going yeah those are republicans they just ram through what they want whereas these dem no no the thing is you democrats just simply want things that you don't pay attention to or you want things that are wildly destructive you don't care about them you don't follow up or realistically when it comes to elected democrats they are quote-unquote winning on things that they don't want the general public to know about they don't want you to know about what's going on over in the Pentagon. They don't want you to know what's going on in the military, that they're drumming out, suspending without pay tens of thousands of people in the military because they haven't got a shot. They won't take the shot. They won't take the shot. Well, the shot's wildly ineffective. Even now the government is, it doesn't matter, take the shot, shut up. It's a real easy way to identify people who would not, not likely be Democrats is to say, take the shot, <clears throat> and they don't. That person probably didn't vote for Joe Biden. You drum them out of the military. Why would you want to drum anybody out of the military? Because you want to drum people who disagree with you politically out of society in general. The military is just one that's uh, long-term much more useful in those terms. I'm not going to go off on it now. It's a little bit black helicoptery and conspiracy theorists, but I think you can connect those dots. I have faith in your ability to do that. Oh, before we run out of time, I've got this montage I want to play. It is, um, <laughs> it's a thing of beauty. I know Joe Biden was mocked today and oppressed or heckled or interrupted, I guess is the word. The father of a, somebody who was lost in a school shooting at a gun safety event was yelled at Joe Biden. If it's any good, maybe I'll play it tomorrow. But I, I couldn't find a clip, clip that you heard where the father was saying it's just Joe Biden kind of being a jerk. And I don't know the full context. So I don't want to give it uh, to you without knowing what the guy said. So we'll see if I can find that out. But uh, I don't know if, uh, well, have I mentioned the press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, and how she's historic? If I didn't, yet I meant to because she's historic and by historic I mean historically bad at her job I think it was Grabian Media it could have been the Washington Free Beacon somebody put together this montage it's a it's about two minutes long I think it's 90 seconds so maybe it's a minute and a half whatever it is 
It is just from last week. She held three press briefings just to illustrate how bad this administration has it and how bad you can be and still be in good standing at this administration because you're quote-unquote historic, I assume. It's the only reason to explain it. These are the times just in three briefings last week where Karine Jean-Pierre, the historic press secretary, had no answer for a question, didn't know, couldn't be bothered to look it up. There's nothing in her book, so it doesn't matter because she doesn't pay attention to things going on. This is just one week's worth of I don't knows. Well, you guys are always excited to hear what I got to say. I don't have I, I don't have anything to preview for you at this time. I don't have anything to share right now, so I'm not going to get ahead of the president on that. I, I don't have anything to share on that either, uh, but I don't have any updates uh, on that. Uh, as soon as we, as soon as we have something, we will we will share that. Can't speak to any, anything more besides you know we would refer you to the IRS on that specific thing. So look. Again, I don't have anything to preview or announce at this time. I just don't have anything to read out. I can't speak to that from here. I'm not going to get ahead of the president. I actually don't have anything for you. I'm not going to get ahead of the president's decision. I'm, I just is not. I'm not going to speak to it. I don't have anything for you at this time to preview. I don't have anything for you to preview. For you. Again, I don't have anything to share with you. I don't have anything else to read out, and I just don't have anything to share at this time. I just I don't have anything to share. I'm not going to give. I'm not going to negotiate from here. I'm not going to give a deadline from here. I don't have an executive order, uh, executive action to speak to. So I don't have any. Uh, we don't have any calls to read out. Um, I don't have more to share. So I don't have anything for you to preview. Really I just don't have anything for you to share at this time. Like- I, I don't have a a call to preview for you i we just don't have more to share i don't have any calls to preview at this time i there's i just don't have anything to share i mean that's a hypothetical that i can't really speak to i cannot speak to that particular uh uh, vacancy i i'm I'm not gonna uh, i'm not gonna go on to litmus test so um i don't have anything to share all i can tell you is that we don't normally speak on uh uh, vacancies i cannot speak uh to any um, uh, discussions that are happening I don't have anything to preview for you at this time. I just cannot speak to that from here. I, I, I just don't have anything to, to say. I'm not going to get ahead of what those actions are going to be. I, we just don't have anything to share. I just don't have a call to, to preview at this time. But I don't have anything uh, to share. So I don't have anything specifically on the VA. Yeah, so um, we don't have anything clearly right now at this time. That's one week. Each one of those instances was... In its own instance, there was no repeating of anything. None. That is the spokesmodel for this administration right now. Could you imagine? Imagine that. I don't have anything for you. I don't know. I, I, uh, I'm not sure. Nobody has told me what to say on that issue, so therefore I'm not allowed to say anything on that issue. I don't want to say anything on that issue because I didn't pay attention. I didn't attend the meeting where that issue was discussed, and therefore I uh, I didn't do it. No wonder what the hell's going on. Uh, speaking of our liberal friends, this story I just saw in the New York Post is um, <clears throat> interesting, typical, not surprising. New York Post. Illegal immigrants who mow the lawns and paint the mansions of wealthy Hamptons residents, Hamptons are where all the liberals in New York go to play on the weekends in the summer, wealthy Hamptons residents are being forced to live in hovels hidden in the woods 
due to sky-high cost of residing in the summer playground of celebrities such as Jerry Seinfeld, Billy Joel, and Jay-Z and Beyonce, the Post has learned. Hmm. Squalid encampments exist around the Tony town of Southampton, including just off the main highway and in the West Front Village of West Hampton Beach. Quote, I work for very rich people in the Hamptons, but I can't afford to live somewhere to live, lamented Juan Antonio Morales, 40. I am paid very little, and an apartment costs too much money. The Post found the Guatemalan native spread out on tattered chaise lounge in a heavily wooded area behind an abandoned gas station along the Montauk Highway in West Hampton Beach last week as Aston Martins, Mercedes-Benzes, and Range Rovers buzzed past nearby. Isn't it lovely? And there's all sorts of pictures of these squalid establishments, garbage bags, tarps set up, made into tents, mattresses laying on the ground, and they're just day laborers. These are illegal aliens, so it's difficult to have... You know, from a human standpoint, you have sympathy, but you sit there and you go, well, leave the country. Go back home. If you weren't here doing that work, what would they do? What would they be forced to do, these rich people? God forbid, maybe break sweat doing some work or maybe paying a prevailing wage, paying something that is not a livable. Look, I get it. You know, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about this and it's like, oh, you work in the Hamptons. And you can't afford to live in the Hamptons. Well, no feces, Sherlock. You can't. All right. You can't. If if you could afford, if from cutting somebody's grass, you could afford to live in the Hamptons, you probably wouldn't want to live in the Hamptons. Okay. You wouldn't want to visit the Hamptons. You're not going to be able to live where you work all the time. And if you work for rich people, you're not going to be able to do that. But the point isn't what they're paying them in my mind as much as it is that they're employing, and there's a lot of them, illegal aliens. These are wealthy people. These are wealthy liberal people. And they are hiring illegal aliens because they can save money. Or maybe they'll sit there and they'll try and explain it to them. Oh, I'm just doing it because I care so deeply. I I want to help pe- these poor people. Are doing it, so I will pay them five bucks an hour to cut the six acres on which my uh, oceanfront property sits so that they will get, you know, they'll get like $80, $100 sometimes, then uh, congratulations to them. No, it's not compassion. It's not compassion. You can call it a lot of things. It's not compassion. I'm helping these people. going to help these people. I don't know. Maybe uh, sell one of your, port- maybe give them a room. They don't do that. I don't really advocate that. I think that these people should be deported. But the reason they're not deported is because of these people and the politicians who are controlled by these people, who are obedient to the political donations of these people. They sit there and they go, oh, okay. Yeah, you don't... You can't deport them because what? You Jay-Z and Beyonce want a well-manicured lawn cut cross style or something? So go back and live in the woods? Can't wait for the next election cycle where Jay-Z and Beyonce tell me how to vote. 
because they care so deeply about America and human beings and the poor and all that crap that they spew constantly that we know is a lie. We know it. We always knew it. It was a lie. I'm looking at the Twitter machine and you're like you can't be serious. They can't. They, they are serious. They are serious. Uh, KSAT 12. I think it's an a, the ABC affiliate down in uh, San Antonio area. Jill Biden to visit San Antonio on Monday for Latinx conference. The only people who use that term Latinx are white liberals and AOC. That's it. But the subheadline is the Jill Biden will speak at Latinx inclusion luncheon at 1 p.m. on July 11th. But inclusion Latinx is spelled L-A-T-I-N-X. But then inclusion, I don't know how to include Xion. I-N-C-L-U-X-I-O-N, luncheon. Why? Because why not? Because when you're going to be stupid, you might as well go all, throw all your chips into the center of the table. Don't just be partially stupid. Honestly, if you're going to be stupid, go all in. The First Lady will visit San Antonio on Monday to speak at the Latinx Inclusion Luncheon. The luncheon will take place at the Grand Hyatt in the San Antonio River as part of the Undios U.S. Annual Conference. The Undios Annual Conference is a yearly event held for people to collaborate on issues that include housing, health, racial equity, education, diversity, and inclusion. It's all preaching to the left-wing choir. Jill Biden, you hear nothing about Jill Biden, about how wonderful she's all you hear. Oh, she's so wonderful. She's so amazing. She's just, oh, Dr. Jill Biden, please touch, touch me, Jill Biden. Heal me, Jill Biden. Please, can I touch the hem of your garment, please, Jill Biden? She's so wildly popular, they throw her on the cover of Vanity Fair. They give her photo shoots in Vogue. and everything. They make her out to be... Hunter Biden freaking hates her. His stepmom is an idiot. And he said, that's about the nicest thing that he said about her in text messages that I can say about her. But he did call her an idiot. And so on that one, I think that I agree with my first crack smoker. But what's funny is with all the propping up of, of Jill and all the propping up of Joe, Joe, Joe's the president, he can't come. But Jill should be the one that they send out to the moderate sort of things. and The, the moderate groups, they should be clamoring for an opportunity to get to talk to Joe Biden or Jill Biden to talk to them. And they're not. They're sending her to a Latinx inclusion thing where they use the letter X because I don't know why. Why? Because they can. Because <laughs> they just are. And it's all left-wingers going there. The luncheon will focus on discussing health responses, specifically for Latino. Why isn't Latino? Why isn't Latinx children through the COVID-19 pandemic and the school shooting tragedy in Uvalde, Texas? God, they can't even send. She can't even polish that turd. Uh, speaking of polishing turds, over in China, there is, uh, you won't, I don't know why, maybe because the American media sucks and they don't want to talk about it, but CNN is reporting on it. They haven't talked about it on TV. There's a lot of footage of it, but it is an illustration of the uh, obedience mindset that the left wants to instill in everybody. So Chinese authorities on uh, Sunday violently dispersed a peaceful protest by hundreds of depositors who sought in vain to demand their life savings back from banks that have run into a deepening cash crisis. Since April, four rural banks in China's central Henan 
province have frozen millions of dollars worth of deposits threatening the livelihoods of hundreds of thousands of customers in an economy already battered by draconian COVID lockdowns. It's weird, draconian COVID lockdowns. They're all in favor of those lockdowns here in the United States. Anguished depositors had staged several demonstrations in the city of Zhengzhou, uh, the provincial capital of Henan, over the past two months, but their demands have inevitably, invariably fallen on deaf ears. On Sunday, more than 1,000 depositors from across China gathered outside Jiangsu branch of the country's central bank, the People's Bank of China, to launch their largest protest yet, more than half a dozen protesters told CNN. Now, if you look at the footage, they did. They conf- they got into a fight with well, police, started brutalizing them, people in white shirts, Uh, showed up. They were all together. They're all wearing masks, so don't worry about that, liberals. And they beat holy hell out of a bunch of people and took off a bunch of people and where they went, nobody knows. But to show you how obedient the people of China are, the protesters who have had their life savings seized from them from this bank failure and the government says, tough, too bad. They're protesting and they have little Chinese flags on a stick. They're, they're making sure, they're, they're hoping, they were, ho- they were hoping it didn't work out, but they were hoping that the show of loyalty, of fealty to the state with that little flag would somehow save them, would somehow say, okay, maybe this will, our great God government doesn't want us protesting. They don't want this out there. But what if we go out there on our knees, on our bended knee and beg And the state said, no, we're going to come in there and kick the crap out of you. Get over it. Get used to it, what have you. You'll never be able to appease the left, ever. Don't try. Oppose the left everywhere. Speaking of the left, this one cracks me up. Now, this is going to read a little weird because it is through Google Translate. It's originally Auf Deutsch in German. Uh, In the middle of summer, many mayors in Germany get chills down their spines, but for the first time since the Second World War, cities are preparing to provide warm rooms not only for individual groups, such as refugees, but for the entire population. Many cities and municipalities are using their emergency plans from the time of the wave of refugees in 2015. Heat rooms. Many cities may know this scenario. Well, and then it goes into like a half hybrid, half German, half English broken thing. The gist of it is because Germany is so dependent on Russia for its energy, which is wildly stupid, even though they're going, okay, we're scrambling. We're going to go back to burning coal. We're going to go back to this. We're going to go. They're trying. They're not going to make it in time, or they're probably not going to make it in time. They have gutted their own infrastructure. They shut down the plants, and then they destroyed many of the plants. They destroyed the infrastructure. They didn't just let it sit dormant. They destroyed it. So now with Russia not being able or willing to produce enough energy for Germany, because why the hell would they? They're recognizing that with winter coming, they're not going to be able to keep their population warm. Well, that's not entirely true. The population won't be able to keep themselves warm. They all have heating infrastructures in their homes, but they won't be able to use them because there won't be enough energy. 
because Germany has decided arbitrarily that they are going to be so green, so super green. They're going to lead the way on green. Sounds a lot like what Joe Biden is trying to do. That they kneecapped themselves. They were their own galuli. They kneecapped themselves. It's hard to feel, look, the people of Germany don't deserve this. But the leadership of Germany, that they should get all thrown out, all just get tossed out of office because of this, is beyond doubt. We, the United States, should look at this and go, we can head this off at the pass by tossing out Democrats. That's what we should do. But they're not going to report on this, not in this country. Anyway, that's enough for today, don't you think? I appreciate you listening. Have yourself a wonderful day. We'll be back here in just a few hours to do it all over again. Thank you.